Hello, and welcome to the Diary of an Age Grouper podcast. My name is Jamie Edwards, and I'm a full-time professional endurance coach, age group triathlete, and triathlon fan. The Diary of an Age Grouper podcast is all about content relevant to age groupers. We'll talk to athletes, coaches, and experts who walk the walk. Kristen Yaks, mum, wife, psychology PhD, triathlete, age group champion, Kona qualifier, former Zwift Academy member. How does she do it? Let's find out. This is the Diary of an Age Grouper. Hi, Kristen. Thanks for joining us. How's your day been today? It's been great. Thank you. And thank you for having me on the podcast. My pleasure. So have you done any training today? I understand that you were planning for Ironman Canada, which obviously was cancelled because of the wildfires over there. Have you got anything else coming up? Yeah. So after the cancellation, I took a week to completely reset, deal with all the emotions. I was really looking forward to that race and I had prepped well for it. So wasn't completely shocked because that race has been cancelled before due to fires and smoke. but. Um, was really hoping it would go through this year and was really looking forward to it. So after a week off, I kind of hit the reset button and made a little pivot to a different race. And um, now I've started kind of getting back into a training routine for Ironman California in October. Right. Now we were just talking a little bit off air before we hit record and I actually came across your name because I was looking for the fastest mum, age group mum in the world. Now, we're not sure if we're going to be making that claim just yet, but make that lead us into the question where I asked you to tell us a little bit about you, what makes you, you. So work, family, where you live, et cetera. So we got a little bit of background and context. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think I'm the fastest mom, but I am a fast mom. I'm a hardworking mom. Um, I live in Bend, Oregon in the United States, and I have a son. His name's Axel. He's turning eight tomorrow. So we're prepping, we're getting ready for his big birthday and his big birthday party and all the things. And um, yeah, I've um, been in this sport now for, gosh, almost, almost 10 years. And he came along partway through that journey and um, it's, it's been wonderful. He's been, he's only added to the beauty of this sport for me. So that's, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, and so can you take us back to how you got started? So you mentioned 10 years ago, he's eight. So you'd sort of been a triathlete for a couple of years before he came along. Um, so can you just let us know how you got your start in the sport and then we'll maybe dive into some of the details around um, you know, carrying a child and then having a child and how you managed your training around that time and then coming back to training and finding that routine and then obviously searching for high performance, which is sort of where you are now. Yeah, of course. Um, 
I got into the sport um, just in a roundabout way because my husband, we we weren't married yet at the time, um, and he had done a couple triathlons um, before I had met him. And when we met each other, I was just, I'd gotten into running um, while I was in graduate school and I started running marathons just for fun. <laughs> Not I wasn't ever a competitive athlete or um, I don't have any kind of swim, bike, run background in high school or college. But um, during grad school, I did get into running and I really enjoyed it and I used it as an outlet. And so when I met my husband, I was a runner. He had done um, a tri a couple triathlons and he really wanted me to start biking with him. And so I went out on the bike with him and he was like, wow, you're pretty, you're pretty strong cyclist for not having ever ridden a bike before. And I guess there was some just talent there that I kind of tapped into and um eventually after biking and running for so long he's like i think you should do a triathlon i was like oh yeah i've i've never swam before i don't swim i don't do pools i don't do water but one of my friends was also training for ironman 70.3 boise um which is a race that's long gone now but back then it was a race that was close to home and I had seen triathlons before, never considered them, but she kind of was convincing. He was trying to push me to do it. And um, a couple glasses of wine and I signed up. <laughs> I did it. I signed up. And that's kind of like where I started in triathlon. Just kind of, okay, I got to learn to swim. I got a coach. And um, I was in no way, shape or form good. In the beginning, I was just kind of a mid-pack triathlete, but I fell in love with it instantly. And that's kind of how I got started in the sport. And then after I did my first couple of 70.3s, I decided I wanted to do a full Ironman. But at that same time, my husband and I were contemplating having a, a child and I got pregnant unexpectedly. And because um, we weren't really trying at the time, we were contemplating, but we kind of let uh, fate take hold and we got pregnant right away. And so I put the triathlon on hold. I still ran and biked um, through my pregnancy and swam occasionally, <laughs> but um, I was really doing things for enjoyment at that time and had Axel. He was the best thing that ever happened. And then um, after I had him, I decided, hey, I'm still going to follow through with this. I'm still going to do an Ironman. So after having him September 4th that year, I signed up for Ironman Coeur d'Alene for the following year and kind of made that my goal of this is what I'm going to do in the next year. And I'm going to be a mom and I'm still going to fulfill my journey and follow through with what I had set out to do before getting pregnant. Uh, that's my entry into, <laughs> into the sport. Okay. So do you do any sports growing up? 
You know, I, I loved sport growing up. My, my, both of my parents were very active and my mom was into cycling. She would do a lot of those, um, like riding, like week long rides where you ride across the state with an, an organized group. She was more of a recreational rider, not a competitive rider, but, um, she, I mean, even to this day, she still rides almost every single day now. So she's like, I've grown up watching somebody, uh, this role model of mine, my mom on a bike. And then my dad was very into fitness. He was a smoke jumper before I was born. And on the hotshot crew over here, which requires just an amazing amount of fitness and um, physical capability. And so that was kind of my, the, the two people in my life growing up who I admire the most um, were very athletic, but not into any like one sport that I could pick up on. So I just did um, kind of what a lot of kids do growing up. I played soccer, basketball, softball. Um, when I was in high school, I really took to soccer. I really loved soccer. But I had a couple of negative experiences with coaches. Um, being a teenage girl going through some changes with her body, I there were just some comments made. And when I tried to make varsity uh, my junior year, um, it just felt very political with you're going against the coach's kids, friends, or things like that. And it kind of pushed me, my love for the sport um, away. And I decided I kind of fell out of love with sport because of that. And because of the changes that I was going through as a teenager, and it, I just felt awkward in my body. And so I um, didn't really take to any sports throughout uh, my senior year of high school or even in college like I would go to the gym in college because you'd go with your friends but I wasn't really I wouldn't consider myself to be athletic I was still going through a lot of changes and um, insecurities and then um, my dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer when I was in undergrad and um so I was going through that with him. I was actually supposed to study abroad in Australia um, and uh, had a full ride scholarship to do that and study psychology over there. But it was a month later when I had found out my dad's cancer diagnosis. So I decided to turn that down and stay with him. And um, when I was in my first year of grad school, he passed away from pancreatic cancer. He put up a good fight. He was only given six months and he lived over three years. So he put up a good fight. But at that time I was in grad school in Texas at the University of Houston. And I was feeling a little alone, isolated, didn't know really how to grieve his death. So I started running and um, I started to talk to him and grieve through the practice of running by myself and it was really therapeutic for me and healing for me 
And I've never given it up since then. And he's really the reason why I got back into the athletics and back into the lifestyle that I have now. Well, there's a lot in there already. So thank you for sharing that so early in the yeah. piece. Um, but yeah. It, it, yeah, it is cool to see how that all comes together. And you, you, in some ways it means you, your dad is part of the journey still, which is which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. Now, you mentioned you were going to come to Australia. Obviously, that's where I'm based. Wh- which university yeah. do you remember where you were going to come and study? Um, it was going to be in Sydney. We didn't know that until just now. Um, yeah. So tell us about psychology because it's still um, a very big part of your life now, isn't it? Yeah. So I have a PhD, a master's and PhD in social psychology. Um, I have worked the last, let's see, 12 years now, 13 years, 13 years. Oh my goodness. 13 years now as a psychology instructor at Oregon State University here in Oregon. And um, I teach psychology to undergrads and uh, I absolutely love it. I was on campus for a few years and then I transferred over to eCampus, which is the online program. So I run our eCampus program. I'm the coordinator and I also teach courses every term, um, different courses in psychology. Very cool. Do you think that, do yeah. you think understanding the mind like that? and uh and human beings in general and habits and behaviors is that a good thing for a triathlete or a, maybe a not so good thing it definitely has its it has its good moments and bad moments um but i mean i think i have found it to be very beneficial because i can kind of step back and put things into perspective when perhaps others can't and i do learn i'm constantly learning um through you know, continuing education and just the up and coming research and the classes that I teach and the students that I work with, I'm just constantly learning and using experiences um, to translate to triathlon to help me when I might have ebbs and flows, highs and lows, you know, all that comes with the sport. It, it, it does help at times for sure. Yeah, it sounds like more, more positive than negative, which is, which is pretty cool. So now just yeah. quickly, can you take us back? How did those that first 70.3 before Axel was born and then that first Ironman after Axel was born, so first race or first Ironman and also first Ironman as a mum, how, how did they go? Was there, you know, can you tell us like how your finish time was, how the race day experience was, you know, maybe going to the swim, bike, run splits? And the reason I ask that is just to get a little bit of context to, to wrap up this, you know, early part and introduction into, into the sport for you. Yeah, so I my first 70.3 was, as I said, Ironman Boise 70.3. And I was absolutely terrified going into that race because it was an entirely different kind of challenge that I'd never done. I was mostly terrified of the swim, as most triathletes are when they're starting out in the sport, because I'd never swam before. I'd never swam open water and we still had uh, mass age group starts at that time. So, um, yeah, it was um, it was an eye-opening experience. It was a humbling experience. And it completely pulled me into the sport um, after I finished that race. That race, uh, I believe I finished in 545, around 545. 
I swam, a, swam, I think my swim was around 50 minutes. Um, my bike was around three hours and, um, my run was around 150, 155, something like that. And I was just so happy and elated to be finished. And once I finished, I signed up for the next one. <laughs> I was instantly sold and I did another one. Uh, two months later and significantly improved, which then even further hooked me because I saw the growth potential. I saw improvement through hard work. And I just think that that's something that's really empowering in this sport is being able to see those little improvements along the way. The more you work, the better you work, the smarter you are, the better the outcome. So I just, I love that because I've always had that kind of a mentality through, um, through academia and just in my life in general, like I've always been a pretty hard worker. So uh, that's how I kind of entered into the sport was just kind of a mid-pack uh, age group triathlete. And um, after Axel was born, I decided, okay, I'm going to do the full Ironman. And I signed up for Ironman Coeur which at that time was in August. They had moved it to August that year. And I did the 70.3 leading into the full so that I could um, kind of have a a leeway into it, not jump straight in, but remember what it feels like to go through all the motions and um, to kind of rip off that Band-Aid because it had been over a year because I took 2015 completely off um, due to my pregnancy and after having Axel. But uh, my first Ironman experience was pretty incredible. It, uh, I finished fourth in my age group. Um, I missed a Kona spot by four minutes because the top three in my age group had um, the spots and they all three took it. And so it was four minutes. And so I decided, okay, finding four minutes, that's my thing for this next year. Until my next race, I'm going to find those four minutes and I'm going to get my Kona spot at the next time I do one of these. So it just kind of... Um, I felt, I felt more comfortable at the Ironman distance compared to the 70.3 cause I feel like I can get into that zone two, zone three um, area and kind of go all day. And I just, I couldn't believe my result at that first race that I did. And so I like, I wonder what I can do if I train more and I learn from this experience. And um, that's kind of what has set me up for where I am now. Wow. That, yeah, that's pretty good. Like definitely a, a bit of a diesel engine. Um, and to yeah. go from that, you know, initial 70.3 couple of years earlier in 545, um, and then yeah, back it off two months, back it up two months later, then go and go through that whole pregnancy journey and then to go and, um, yeah, obviously have a very positive experience in that first Ironman fourth in your age group. And then it, it's interesting, you know, you sort of, you you were encouraged into the sport and then you had a you know, really enjoyed it and you know really the sport got its claws on you so to speak and then you went and improved two months later after that first 70.3 and then you're like oh i can i can see the trajectory here and then go mm -hmm. yeah go through become a mum 
and then same thing again, apply those lessons to Iron Man and then Iron Man to be, then you've got the, the carrot dangling of, of going to Kona. So it's just, yeah, those progressive steps, which is often the case in, in our sport. So yeah. um, tell me, can you tell me a little bit about how you manage your training post-pregnancy? Because I find that very interesting, obviously being a dad myself and having my partner go through, you know, similar thing and all the, all the changes that happen both the, the obvious things, but all the other things that maybe people don't talk about as much or understand as much in terms of hormones and emo- emotions and so on. So how, you know, looking back on it now, how did you manage that at the time? And, you know, do you think you did things well? Like obviously you performed well, but, you know, is there anything you would change? Can you just tell us a little bit about that 12-month period? I did experience some postpartum depression and anxiety. And I was kind of ashamed about it almost. Like I didn't talk about it very much because I don't know, it was kind of weird because as a psychologist, I felt like I should be able to handle this and deal with it on my own. I know that's not true. As an outsider, I would tell myself, no, that's not true at all. You you should talk to somebody. You should let people know. But I just, I, I can be pretty stubborn and I really wanted to just fight through it and be strong and try and deal with it on my own. And I never did really reach out for help, but I used training as a way to cope with some of those emotions and to kind of take control. It wasn't necessarily always a healthy way to do that, but that's what I did. And if I could go back, I would probably do things differently. Now I would probably reach out to other moms and I would probably talk with another psychologist, um, somebody who would be an objective um, person to just talk with me through it. But um, those are lessons learned as far as dealing with um, some of those emotions post-pregnancy. But I did use triathlon and I did use training to kind of help me cope and to make me feel like I still had a piece of myself that was there prior to my pregnancy and I still had something that was for me because it was different kind of giving up that part of me for another human being and I'm an only child I had never really been around kids so it was just this awkward transition that was very hard to deal with for me um I love my son like more than anything in this world but it was still dealing with some of those emotions and how do how do you change just one day you're you and then one day you're you with this child that's yours and so there's no manual or there's no you know (laughs) rules on how to do that and um so triathlon did kind of it did help me um through that time and it was a lot of giving myself grace through the training and um making time you know, during when he would nap, he slept a lot. So I mean, when he would nap, I would train, I would find the time there. Or um, I would go swim early in the morning when my husband was home with him. And then, um, you know, when my husband would go to work, I would uh, run on the treadmill, we had a treadmill, which was nice. So I'd run on the treadmill, or um, take him in the baby stroller. So I just, I did, I found things to make it work with the time that I had and the resources that I had. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate that my mom and my stepdad are here 
and um, they helped out a lot. So they would watch him a couple hours here or there. And um, while giving me time to train and to shower and, you know, do those kind of things. So that was incredibly helpful. And my husband is a huge support as well. Like he's my number one cheerleader and support figure in the sport. Like I wouldn't be able to do the sport the way that I do it without him because he's always um, taking one for the team and always uh, doing what he can to make my life easier and to make um, to allow me to train the way that I do. So, so triathlon basically gave you that purpose, but you also had some good support and you're also kind to yourself. You said, you know, you gave yourself grace. So was, I'm assuming it'd be less about training initially and just getting back into movement and exercise and then, you know, starting to find that purpose. And, you know, relatively early on, I believe you said you, that was when you sort of said, right, next year I want, you know, 12 months later, I want to do this Ironman and, and see how I go so I can continue that path in the sport, even though I've become a mum. So, and you could coexist as, as a mother, but also still continue to be a triathlete. Yep, mm-hmm, exactly. Okay, cool. Well, uh, thanks for sharing that as well. Now, uh, tell us, how did you find those four minutes from being fourth in your age group? What was your finish time there? Um, at Ironman Coraline, I believe it was around 11.12, something like that, 11.10, 11.12. Yep. And then uh, yeah. when when was the next race? Like, So, yeah, just tell us a little bit about from going 11.10, being fourth in your age group, just missing the Kona spot and then going, right, I'm on a mission now to find the four minutes, as you said, but, you know, essentially get that Kona spot and um, get to race on the big island. Yeah. So for me, it was about choosing the right course to match my strengths and my strengths have always been the bike. First and foremost, I'm a very strong cyclist and I excel at climbing (laughs) So I love a good, hard, hilly course. So that year I decided, okay, um, Ironman Canada, because Canada was in Whistler at that time. And it was an incredibly challenging uh, bike run course, lots of climbing and lots of hills. (laughs) So I decided that was going to be where a course that would really play to my strengths and where I could find this those minutes. And so I did Ironman Canada in 2017 and I won my age group. And I believe that time was, I finished that race in 11 hours. Um, But again, it's a very, very difficult course. So the times are a little slower. I always choose courses when the times are, I don't have any like super fast times because I, I tend to stick to the really challenging hilly, bike and run courses you mentioned earlier that your husband recognized you had a bit of talent on the bike but it's definitely continued to be a strength of yours and so much so that you pick really hard challenging courses and a lot of climbing can you remember anything specific you were doing in terms of of training to be adequately prepared for that ironman canada course yeah we uh in bend we have we live next to the cascade mountain range so there's a lot of climbing that is accessible from my front door so I just spend our summers in the mountains doing these climbs and 
Um, I'll just do climb after climb all summer long. And I absolutely love it. And I think it's helped me to get much stronger on the bike because climbing allows me to really push myself and I can go to really dark places and <laughs> get in that suffer suffering zone. And, um, yeah, that's just what I, that's how I spend my summers when I, when I'm on a bike is up in the mountains. Yeah, well, it's, it's, obviously it works. It's a good good recipe, and you do see yeah. a lot of the uh, well, obviously pro cyclists, but pro triathletes as well, spending time in those mountain ranges and and just riding. And you you see the videos of them, and they're still on their TT bike and just riding up and down the hills. So, if it it obviously works for you as well. Now, I wasn't going to do this, but we're sort of going on a journey here. So, tell us about that first Kona. Tell us about the preparation for it, how that went. And then how the how the experience was on the island. You said you like tough, challenging courses, and Kona's definitely known for that. So just tell us a little bit about that preparation and and that next step on the journey. Yeah, well, when I qualified in Canada, um, Kona was only six. I think it was the last qualifying race because it's at the end of August. So the Kona was only like six weeks away, and I was pretty tired after Canada and my coach and I decided that we're just going to go into this race for the experience no expectations and that was kind of my mindset going into it because I didn't want to put a lot of pressure on myself I didn't really know what to expect I had never swam in the ocean before and um yeah I was I was quite scared about the swim in particular and um so i really had to take away the pressure of that race and just embrace the entire experience because that's really that's what i love about the sport more than anything and um there's a lot of moments in the sport for me where it's been more about the experience than the results but for that race for that first time um, I was going into it fully for the experience and to just embrace being on the big island with all the best athletes in the world. And I thought that was just the coolest, one of the coolest moments of my life was just being there for that. And so my prep going into it was just a, a, a small recovery after Canada. And then I did a three week build block and, um, our pool was closed. Our pool closes in every September for like three weeks. Such bad timing. But it closes um, for renovations. They empty it. They clean it out. They do all the things. And then they refill it. And they always do it in September when the kids go back to school. So I didn't do much swimming before Kona, which wasn't very good for me. But um, I still just went into it fully embracing the experience and that's really what what it's all about for me yeah not not i not perfect timing for for you and your swimming um they yeah. should have consulted <laughs> with you first and asked whether it was okay because you got an important race to do so how was how was that kind of experience how was you know just give us a little brief couple of minutes on swim bike run overall um, were you able to embrace that experience and you know have you got fond memories of it or was it really yeah, really suffering out there in the lava fields. I suffered in the water, not the lava fields. <laughs> <laughs> I found the lava fields to be quite pleasant, but the uh, water was another story. 
um, I found that swim to be incredibly difficult. Like I underestimated just how brutal that swim is, especially for somebody that does not come from a swimming background. And I tend to be a very slow swimmer as it is. I'm always playing catch up on the bike and the run. So for me, that swim was incredibly challenging. I made it through uh, the swim (laughs) barely, but um, I had to play catch up all day on the bike. I pushed it pretty hard. And then um, I went out a little hot. I underestimated, again, (laughs) the temperature and what it would do to me because I usually race pretty well in the heat. But I just, I went out too fast. I got excited on a leave, you know, all the spectators, you just get caught up in all that excitement. And, and then you go out onto the queen K on that run. And it's so lonely. (laughs) It can be so lonely out there. And those rollers just go on and on. And I had slowed down pretty significantly on the run, but I kept going. I kept marching forward and I still I still can see the red carpet finish because I was one of the most like incredible finishes that I've ever experienced. And it'll be a memory that I'll have forever. It wasn't the greatest race. It wasn't um, anywhere near what I think I could do now, but it was only my third Ironman. And um, so I just, I did what I could with the tools that I had and the experience that I had at that time. I think I finished like 40th or something in my age group with the time of around 11, 15 or something, but it was still an incredible experience. Like I, I, I'll never forget it. Yeah. That's the magic of the big Island. So how did that experience then fuel you for the, for the years that followed? Yeah. It's kind of funny. Cause I was like, after I finished, I'm like, Oh, I want to go back and do better. <laughs> Of course, right? And um, so I continued racing fulls. I went back to Canada. I had a very bad race at Canada that following year. And then I did Chattanooga um, after Canada. I rolled my fitness because I pretty much walked the run in Canada that year. Um, Just bad nutrition, just Oh, it was so hot that day. A lot of things went wrong, but I rolled, I rolled into Chattanooga and I got third in my age group, missed Kona again by just a few minutes uh, because they only had two spots for my age group. And um, so, yeah, I feel like I've always kind of battled in my age group, that top three spot, you know, top four spot. And then the following year I qualified for Kona at, uh, Ironman Louisville. And, um, that's when COVID happened and the pandemic happened and everything shut down and threw everything into a a loop. So everything changed after that. I never, I never did get back to Kona. No, I think you ended up going to St. George, which I'll talk about in a second because I want to ask you about that experience and then also being on the Zwift Academy. But um, you mentioned obviously not having that swimming background and, you know, not doing a heap of open water swimming and then that being something you really battled with with 
when going to Kona. Now, yeah, and that first that's first swim split in your seventy point three was around that fifty minutes. So, mm-hmm. what what have you? What are some things you've worked on there to improve your swimming? Because uh, yeah, by your own admission, you wouldn't you, you know you wouldn't say you're the best swimmer, but you've certainly improved from that. 50 minute 50 minute swim in a 70.3 and you know really battling through the swim so can you maybe give us a few things that you think has been uh, effective in helping you improve your swimming yeah so i i still swimming is still a big weakness of mine i come out pretty far behind um my competitors (laughs) um and especially in a full iron man i pretty much start with uh, around a 20 minute deficit in the swim, um, in, in most of the races that I've done. And then I have to make that up on the bike and the run. So, but with swimming, I think it, for me, it's been just a matter of being more consistent, getting in to the water four to five days a week, even if it's only for 2000 K or something. Um, uh, 2000 meters, sorry. Uh, it's just getting into the water and feeling the water and feeling comfortable and more confident in the water. Cause that's really what it's been for me is just feeling like I belong in the water. Cause I know I belong on the bike and I know I belong in a pair of running shoes, but when it comes to water, I just never felt comfortable or like I belong in the water. But I think that I've really worked on that and I've really um, challenged myself to get to the pool and to feel more confident there and to feel like I belong there. And um, it's, it's been a long journey for sure. And I'm still, I still feel like that's the final piece to my puzzle that I, there's a lot of improvements to be made. And one of these years, it's going to click. I know it because I'm doing everything that I can uh, to improve on my swim. I've had people film me. I've worked with coaches. I've gone to uh, the tried out pool school. I've done so many different things <laughs> um, just to, to make little gains or to feel like I'm doing the right things to improve my technique and to improve my form. And just to know that I'm, I'm at least trying I think that's important for me is to know that I'm at least putting forth the effort to try to do what I can to use the resources that are available to me. And um, it's definitely not easy. It's very frustrating many, a lot of times, especially when you work really hard and then your race result isn't what you've trained for. Um, I'm a much faster swimmer in the pool than I am in open water, but I've tried to spend more time in the open water this summer to help with that. And yeah, it's just been, it's been a journey for sure with that swim. It still is a journey. Work but in it, progress. It, yeah, definitely work in progress. But I feel like now I'm swimming pretty consistently. Half Ironman pace is the, my, my times are usually around 36, 37. Full Ironman, I still, it's still around 120 and I'm working on that. Um, hopefully I, I was excited to see what I could do in Canada, uh, yeah, in Canada, but now going to California, it's a little bit, um, tricky because it's a, 
a little bit down the river swim. So it's going to be faster. So I won't know exactly where the improvements are, but at least I'll be able to get some idea. Well, it should be a PR swim at least. Mm-hmm. So that's good. <laughs> we'll, we'll take it. We'll be all, yeah. all eyes on, on you in, uh, in that swim. See if we can get, you know, well away from that one one twenty swim split. Yeah, yeah. So it's probably been what I'm taking for that. Is, it's more about being um, comfortable in the water and filling at one with the water, and trying to improve and maximize your efficiency as opposed to getting fitter. Because obviously, you're for a for a female age grouper, your your bike and run are quite literally world class in that category. But obviously, your your swim is still lacking. Do you have any sort of go to? swim sessions that you do do in preparation for a 70.3 or a nine man that you like to do. And, you know, you maybe gain a little bit more confidence when you know you hit certain times or is it not really something that comes, comes into the picture just yet? Yeah, I think, I think swimming in the open water is important because it's hard to know how the pool swimming is going to translate when you don't have a wall to push off and you don't have those rest breaks in between. So for me, I really like to get in a couple open water swim sessions before a race just to know that, okay, I can swim consistently for, you know, 20, 30 minutes without having to push off a wall Um, because that can can play with your mind a little bit, like not having that wall there and just having to go, go, go. It's kind of like transitioning from a 25 meter pool to a 50 meter pool. It's, it feels so much longer. Um, so once you're in open water, you have no walls to push off of. So it, it's just a different dynamic. And it's, it, it's really interesting to me how that translates or doesn't, you know? Hmm. So you mentioned that uh, your pool swimming doesn't seem to translate to the open water. And some mm-hmm. of that is maybe just stopping. Do you do you find do you find it hard to measure your intensity and sort of to know and understand like how fast you're swimming and what sort of split that that's gonna gonna lead to? Is that is that part of it? But the reason I ask this is because that's probably similar to me. Like well, I definitely don't translate my ability from the pool and the times that I can hit in the pool across the open water. And obviously, I've um, yeah tried to explore why that might be a case. And obviously, there's a few different things like wetsuit um and um things like that and as you said like you're not stopping but i've sort of you know come to the conclusion that some of it is just what does it feel like to swim at certain paces and how does that translate across and i think some people do it really really well and really comfortably and and they can they can see and feel um or yeah rather feel what that what that's like um even when they put that wetsuit on and they go into that open water environment so do you think that's a part of it for you Yeah, I definitely think that's a part of it for me. I mean, even getting into the wetsuit, it changes my stroke a little. So it's just learning to adjust and to adapt to that different dynamic of having the wetsuit there. And I also think that, um, I don't know if others feel this way as well, but uh, after a while during an iron, especially during an Ironman swim, I get kind of bored. (laughs) (laughs) and I just like visual I like I like to see things I'm a visual person and I do get kind of bored and I slow down a lot during 
the last part of an Ironman swim. So I'm trying to work on that as well, like maintaining, keeping up my my swim cadence and just maintaining that intensity level. Because once I get bored, then I slow down. And yeah, it's very noticeable when I look at my splits after the race. It's, it's very, the difference is significant. It's yeah, very obvious. Yeah, that concentration yeah. piece, which mm-hmm. I'm assuming doesn't happen when you're on the bike in the run because you can see people and there's, you know, not only other competitors but other other visual stimulus that's helping you yeah. hold on to your concentration, even just see, simply being able to see your pace and your your heart rate and so on, I, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, well, let's move on from the swim. Um, t- you, you sort of mentioned uh, – everything going in the loop. So you qualified for Kona, but then Kona didn't happen, the pandemic. Um, but 2021, you, I believe you went to St. George, but that was also the year you were on the Zwift Academy, a part of the Zwift Academy. Now, mm-hmm. I think most people have heard of it, but can you give us a bit of a background on the Zwift Academy, what it is, how it worked, but also more specifically how that opportunity came about for you? Yeah, so... Um... I believe the first Zwift Academy tri team was in 2018. They did kind of a did a smaller trial team, and um, I have been riding using Zwift uh, for indoor training pretty much since the beginning of its existence. I was using it during the time of the that there were more bots, little Zwift bots, and there were people using it. And I fell in love with the platform. I believed in the tool and um, I've been using it ever since. And um, when the Academy Tri-Team was announced, I thought, wow, that would be a crazy cool experience because they base, it's basically the one of the best supported elite group of age groupers in the world like they support you all the way through Kona or through the world championship race that you do and you get all the things you get the bike you get the wetsuit you get the nutrition you get everything everything is there for you you get supported by these two incredible mentors Sarah True and Tim Don and um they put you up in this beautiful home during race week and you are you basically get to live with the other athletes who for me I mean that was just that was probably the best part of the whole experience um but when I saw that that program was available I thought that would be really cool I didn't think I had a chance but I thought maybe like maybe that would be a good way to go to Kona was well supported and um, with a team. So I, I tried out every year, you complete a set of workouts. Um, they have the Academy program run through, uh, I believe November, December, and you complete a series of workouts and a run race and a bike race, time trial races and a 10, uh, 10 K and a five K run race. And they kind of, they, they narrowed down the selection based on numbers and race times through the Zwift platform. And then um, there's an application process that they send out to the athletes who have been selected after completing the tri program. And then 
from the application process, they narrow it down even further to, um, I don't know how many complete the video application. I believe it's around 50 athletes, but you have to submit, they give you like two days to submit a video um, kind of with a rundown of who you are, why you deserve to be on the, the tri-team, why they should pick you. And then um, they select the athletes from there. And I tried out both the 2018, 2019 year. I tried out 2020, but that was the year that they were, that COVID hit. And so they canceled it that year. And um, for the 2021 year, I got selected. But interestingly, during 2020, um, once all the races were canceled, I told my coach, okay, we're going after the tri-team. Like, that's what I wanted more than anything um, for that year. Because there were no races, that was my goal, was to make it onto the Zwift Academy tri-team. So I trained uh, to compete, complete those workouts and to compete, uh, complete that time trial and the 5K, 10K at the best of my the peak of my fitness. So I kind of peaked like it was an A race for that program so that I could show them that my numbers were really strong. Um, like I was peaking for a race so they could kind of capture that from me. So I think maybe that helped in the process. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. I didn't, I didn't know, obviously I know of the Swift Academy, but I didn't, I haven't really looked right into it. So um yeah, I was looking forward to having this conversation and working it out. So my sort of thoughts on it were that essentially they're, they're giving you, they select you, uh, which I didn't know how what the process was because I hadn't really looked into it. Um, but I, I knew there was obviously some performance um, metrics that they were looking at there. And um, yeah, then you get selected and essentially you're kind of supported like a pro um, sort of throughout that season, but in particular coming together at the at the World Championships. And I believe is, is the goal that they want to get someone on the Zwift Academy as world champion. Is that is that kind of what they're aiming for? Yeah, they want all of their athletes um, to at least attempt to get to Kona. In the past, they've chosen some of the athletes have already qualified for Kona from the previous year. Like for me, I had qualified at Ironman Louisville, so I had a Kona spot. Um, when I had completed the 2021 for the 2021 team. Um, but there were, I, I believe on each, in each year, there's one or two athletes who still has a race that they need to qualify at. So some of us have qualified already and some of us needed to qualify at an Ironman race, even though we've already been picked. So they kind of put, that's kind of the storyline. It's, it's showing how the qualification process works and what it takes to qualify and then what it takes to compete at the Ironman World Championship. Yeah, okay, got it. And do you guys do any training camps or virtual training camps or is it it, it is about coming together and having that um, really powerful race experience as a, as a team? <laughs> Yeah, they do a, uh, we did a training camp at, so our year was unique because it was still when everything was kind of partially shut down, 
we were all wearing masks, but um, we were able to all meet up in California at Specialized Headquarters. So we got our new bikes, we got fitted for our bikes, we did wind tunnel testing at Specialized. And then because the race that year was changed to St. George, um, we all flew from Specialized uh, to St. George and we did the training camp on the course in St. George for a few days. We got to go to the swim venue, we rode the the bike course and we ran the run course as a team. So that was really fun. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Um, was there anything that you learned from those other high performers on the team that, that others could benefit from? Is there any, you know, two or three things that really kind of stood out being around athletes of that caliber and, and getting to know them? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a general, work ethic um that everybody on the team was you know very high achieving and very hard working very dedicated to triathlon and have like everybody has a love for the sport i think you have to love the sport and you have to enjoy the sport to train and compete at that high level and i for me it was just being around all these other i mean the athletes on the team in years past and my year and this year, I mean, they're just, they're crazy amazing. I almost, I almost felt like I didn't belong there because they're just so amazing. But eventually I, I found my place and, um, you know, we're all in different age groups. We all come from different backgrounds. We all have a different purpose for why we do the sport. But at the end of the day, everybody was so nice and everybody was so willing to offer advice and to share insight and share experiences. And it was just like a family. You just felt like you, you just understand you speak a language, a triathlete language. It was just, it was so comforting being around them. It, like, it was really hard to leave and to part ways after the season was over because they had just become like family to me. And that was probably the best part of the entire experience was realizing that sometimes it can, it can seem really, um, I don't know. It, it can be quite intimidating to be around high caliber athletes, to be around these athletes who are winning the overall age group winning world titles. Um, but at the end of the day, they're, they're really good, genuine, sweet, funny, just enjoyable people to be around. And that's kind of what I learned is that you just can't judge somebody by how they compete in a race, but by the person that they are outside when they're off of the race course and the, the characters that are in the sport there's just so many different personalities and characters um, that you just don't get to see during the race. So that was kind of cool for me to see as, as somebody who loves the sport and kind of from an outside perspective. That sounds really great. I think um, the Zwift Academy try team media team should grab that sound bite because that's a very <laughs> good advertisement for what the team's all about. Cause I reckon that's um 
yeah, I think they'd love to hear that. So that's really cool. Now tell us, while we're on the subject, tell us about how that 2021 St. George Ironman World Championships experience was for you. Obviously you talked about a little bit about the lead-in, um, you know, being on the academy and all the things that came along with that. But, um, yeah, tell us about the race day experience. Yeah, so um, the race for me actually went a lot better than I thought it was going to. The timing of the race uh, was early May. So we were just coming out of our winter, and we were having a very long winter that year. And so I, I believe probably 95% of my bike sessions leading into that race were on the trainer using Zwift. So how, <laughs> how fitting, right? Yeah. Right. And then, uh, just, it just wasn't a typical lead into a world championship that I would want. That would be ideal for me. I'd want to be training outside. I'd want long rides outside and like long runs outside in the warmth, but it just, it wasn't my usual type of training going into the race. So my mentality going into the race was, okay, you've worked incredibly hard with what you had and you've used the resources and the tools that you had. So just go in and have a great time with it and embrace the experience. And that's what I did. And the result ended up being far better than I could have expected I was hoping for top 10. So um, I finished fourth in my age group, which was just kind of mind blowing for me. And it'll be one of the best experiences that I'll probably ever have in this sport. And um, it was, it was just an an incredible time and an incredible race and went way better than I expected. So, but it was the right course for me. It was a great course for me, very hilly bike very hilly run and I was ready for both of those. All right. Well, that's cool. I'm, I'm glad it all went well. And yeah, another fourth place for you. So I'm assuming now that the goal is to try and get on the podium uh, in a world championships event. Is that, is that right? Yeah, I, I would like to do that. Um, I, I definitely need to work on my swim more um, before doing that in Kona. I mean, the, the ultimate goal would be to get on the podium in Kona or at a world championship race, but particularly Kona because I feel like I can do it with my bike and my run, but it's just the swim that I would really need to work on to get to that point or to have a chance at a podium spot. In a wetsuit swim and on a harder course like Nice, I feel like I, I have a greater chance of getting on the podium. But it's just, it's it's the conditions of the swim at Kona that really um, limits me there. So I, I need to find, I need to have some kind of a breakthrough with my swim in order to get there. That's an interesting perspective. So will you try and get to nice next year because you feel like the course will suit you better and you might have a chance to get on the podium or more of a chance that's I should some, say sorry yeah I mean that's something I'm still um pondering <laughs> and some something that I would really need to have a big conversation with my family about because right now 
it's a really challenging time of year to travel because my son starts school, he's in sports, and um, Nice is much further away than Kona is. <laughs> so it would just need to work with our, our family and our schedule. And um, yeah, that's it's it, yeah, we'll see what happens in California when I if I qualify. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Well, speaking of that, let's um let's get into that California prep. We've got seven weeks to go. You've obviously yeah. just come off the back of another Ironman prep, but you're going to go there, obviously try and, you know, be in your best possible shape, have a really great outcome, finish on the podium um, and be in contention for, for getting a world champ slot. And then obviously you need to work all that out with your family too. But I'm really keen to explore, you know, the weekly structure that you've built around family and work. Um, you know, really get into frequency, volume, duration, intensity distribution. So, you know, how you train now, uh, being a high performer and someone who's chasing podium spots, but also how that fits in with you and your life. So can you, you know, whether it's a, an actual week of training or, you know, sort of, you know, speaking a bit more generally about it, can you now go into the, you know, take us into a, a week in your life in preparation for an Ironman? Yes. So... A week in my life kind of depends on my work schedule and where I'm at in the term. Because, for instance, in September, like this next week is finals week for our summer term. And then we have a three and a half week break before our fall term classes start. So I basically have three and a half weeks of kind of more casual work. Um a lot more downtime from work where I'm just prepping my courses for next term. And so I'll have a lot more time and flexibility to train. And um, which is great. Like I try and I try and schedule races that work well with my work schedule so that I'm not peaking for a race when it's a really busy time of the term for me. And I also try and schedule races that work well with my family schedule. So when Axel is in school. I usually train while he's in school and my husband's at work because I don't like taking much time away from my family. I don't like being gone from them. And I don't like, you know, putting a lot of the burden on my husband when I'm, if I'm not around. So I do a lot of my training actually during the week um, while Axel's at school and my husband is at work. And, um, my the nature of my work is really nice in that there's a lot of flexibility as to when I can work. It's a lot of email exchanges with students. It's a lot of grading. So a lot of that can be done on my own time. So I might get up early in the morning, do three hours of work, and then um, train during the work day. <laughs> So I just, I, I have that flexibility to do so, or I can train, go for a couple hour ride, work for a couple hours and then go for an hour run. It's just, it's, it's very flexible, which is really nice. It's one of the perks of my job. And so a typical week leading up into like a, an Ironman race, I usually will do around 23 hours. And, um, there'll usually be some kind of, a 
hard, short ride on Mondays along with a run off the bike or a swim. Um, and then Fridays are usually my long ride days. So I'll do my long ride when my husband goes to work and my son goes to school. I'm off on my bike and I'm riding until my son gets home from school. So I'm there when he gets home. And uh, my long runs are usually on Saturday mornings. When everyone's waking up, I head out the door, go for a long run. Sometimes I work it in with my my family so that they'll meet me somewhere. So I'm running to a destination, which is kind of fun. It makes it a point to point. And I meet them and then we go for a hike or something. Or we do some kind of a, a family. We do something as a family. So I try to involve them when I can. And I try not, I try not to take away from my time from them. Um, so I do it when it's convenient for all of us, when they're both busy, I'm training or I'm working. And that's kind of how, how I make it all work. Um, and then Sundays are usually a day off or an optional day. So I, I, I call family, or I call Sundays family day because I'm usually doing something with my family. Um, during the summer, we usually go out and do a hike or um, just something together. And sometimes I'll I'll have time for a swim. We we have the luxury of having a lap pool across the street from our house that's only open in the summer months. So it's really convenient for me just to walk across the street, get in a swim, and then walk back. Um, there's usually no people there. So it's, it's quite nice. It can be cold, but <laughs> it's, it's convenient. So that, that really helps during the summer months is having that pool available to me and close to me. Cause it just, anything that eliminates the, the time, the time it takes to get from one place to another is really helpful because it's all about time management. Um, when you're trying to do fam when you're trying to balance family work, and training yeah of course i like that so you talked about overall hours and a couple you know where those long rides and runs in particular fit in and yeah mm -hmm. 23 hours a week sort of as an average leaning into a into an ironman is that do you do do you like to do like an eight-week block 10-week block 12-week block um what, what's your preference in terms of the overall duration of a block leading into a key race um, usually for Ironman, it's usually around 12 weeks. It wasn't the case with Ironman Canada because I had, I did Ironman Oregon at the end of July and there were only six weeks in between that race. So I kind of, I almost kind of trained through that race, but I always try and do a 70.3 before I do an Ironman just to rip off the band-aid to get in back into the rhythm of, okay, fast transitions. Okay. This is remembering how to do all the things um, because Ironman is usually my A race of the season. So I use a 70.3 race to prep for the Ironman race. And usually I don't plan them so close together, but just the way the cards fell with the Oregon race, uh, it was a little bit closer than I usually plan for, but Oregon, is in my home state. So um, it was just an easy race for me to go to and to, for me to do. And what's the ideal timing for a, 
for a seventy point three as your lead in race? What what's your preference? Having it outside I, that twelve week window. Yeah, I usually prefer at least eight weeks after seventy point three. So I could do a couple of good builds. Um and I'm pretty consistent. I don't do a lot of uh you know, build, 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 recover. I'm more of a just kind of steady each week. Maybe there'll be some weeks where there's a little bit more volume, but I'm pretty steady um, with the number of hours that I do each week, unless I have things going on in my life that keep me from training that week for any particular reason. But usually it's around, I I train around 19 to 23 hours a week uh, during the summer when I'm prepping for an Ironman race. Okay, and tell us a little bit about frequency and volume. So how many rides, how many runs, how many swims, and if you know the total volumes, you can share that as well. Yeah, so I swim, I try and swim five days a week right now. Sometimes it's four, just depending upon what's going on in my life, but I do try and prioritize swimming. Now I recognize how important it is just to be consistent in the pool and to get in the water. Even if it's a shorter swim, it's still important to get into the water. And I have no excuses not to with the pool being across the street from me. Um, Once it closes. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Once it closes, um, I'll, I'll have to drive to a pool. So, but I'm still like, to reduce any kind of anxiety around the swim going into a race, I need to have consistent swimming up until that race. So it, it does motivate me to get to the pool, to get into the water. So four to five swims a week. Um, let's see. Running. I usually will have a couple shorter runs off the bike and then I have a midweek long run. That's usually an hour and 15 minutes, hour, 20 minutes. And then on the weekend is my long run where I will practice Ironman pacing and kind of chest pushing myself a little bit. I, li- I like to do that. I think that that's what training is for is to kind of experiment and to test what you're capable of. And so I, I do like to use the the long runs to kind of push myself and see how I'm feeling at different points in that run. And that run is usually around two hours, two fifteen. I don't run anything longer than two twenty going into a race. I feel like that's pretty much all I need. And biking, I bike four to five days a week. Um, like I said, I have a shorter, very high intensity ride on Mondays. Nothing like kicking off a Monday with a good old <laughs> VO2 max session, but I love it. I love, I love pushing hard on the bike. It's my favorite thing in the world. And then I will have two to three hour rides Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I pretty much ride all week. I love being on my bike, so I don't mind. <laughs> And then Friday is always my long ride and that can be anywhere from four and a half to five and a half hours, depending upon the course that I'm training for. A lot of it is course dependent and the the style of course that I'm training for as well. 
And do you include any strength work in in your weekly structure and schedule? I do. I have found this the strength training to be a game changer for me, actually. Um, I started working with a strength and conditioning coach who's also a physical therapist. I was having some back issues, back, some back pain after childbirth. And so I started working with him and he found a lot of flaws in just my body mechanics, how I was weak in some areas where I should have been stronger for this, for this sport. And so I work, I've been working with him for years and I see him when during the off season, I might go in twice a week and work with him on strength training. And then during like my building into a race, I usually see him once a week and he keeps any kind of niggles, pain under control. If I start having anything, he's like, okay, did you do this or this? And he just really understands the the mechanics of training at this level and at this volume. And our motto is, <laughs> it kind of made me laugh when he first said it because it, it has become like a, a, like pinned in my mind during races, but it's always like final last six miles, final six miles of that marathon. And when we're, we're training, we're working on those muscles that are going to keep my form together during the last part of a marathon, which I think is really cool because I have improved so much, particularly running. And, um, I think it's a lot, it has a lot to do with the strength training that I'm doing. Oh, that is, yeah, pretty cool. That's good to know. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think strength training is becoming more and more popular and valuable for triathletes and there's obviously different ways that you can do it obviously there's you can do strength incorporated into your swim bike and run but um yeah i think a lot of people and a lot of high performers do seem to incorporate that strength training and it sounds like you've got um you know another another person in your team there um in your physical therapist who's is definitely helping you become a better athlete so some of it is that injury prevention which is almost a little bit boring um i think it becomes more and more important as people age um, and more yes. relevant, but I think when you can clearly see a performance gain, not just because of the consistency that you that you um, gain from not being injured, but actually can see that yes, this is making me a better athlete all round. Yeah, and it, yeah, it definitely gives me more confidence that I can push harder in the last miles of a marathon or half marathon, like. My last two marathons at the Ironman distance have been negative splits where I have run the second half faster than the first half. So it really speaks to how my body is keeping up with the paces and being able to withhold and withstand the the pressure and all all that volume that I'm putting on it. So I think yeah, a lot but- of that has to do with the strength training. Yeah, absolutely. Like being strong in the back end. I think sometimes a good goal in an Ironman is to not slow down. But uh, if you can speed up and obviously you're proving you can do that, then uh, yeah, that's even better. So nice work. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Now, you're welcome. So um, you obviously ride your bike a lot. You enjoy riding your bike and you're very good at riding your bike. Um, You mentioned 
there was a fair bit of volume there on the bikes, probably what's um, contributing to most of your you know, 19 to 23 hours a week. What's the mix of on the train and on the road? During the summer, I would say most of my riding is outside, except for my Monday rides because they're just so high intensity and they're so short that sometimes it's just more convenient to do them on the trainer. Mm -hmm. Um, but even those rides, sometimes I like to do them outside because it gives me maybe a good excuse to go after a QOM or something on Strava, (laughs) just a little extra motivation to get through, um, those intervals. But, um, yeah, during the summer, I would definitely say that I take advantage of riding outside. I love riding outside and we have a lot of good areas to ride around here. And then once the weather starts changing, I'm on Zwift pretty much six or seven months throughout the, throughout the winter and late fall, early spring. It's all Zwift, which I don't mind at all. I do like riding indoors as well because it's just... It can be more convenient and easier <laughs> than having to like do all the things to go outside and plan your route. So, I mean, there's pros and cons to each, but I would pick outside almost any day of the week if it's a nice day. Yeah, it definitely makes a difference. So before we move on from, you know, getting into the details of, of your training week, can you give us an example of either a go-to and or a favorite swim bike and run session let's see i don't know if i have a favorite swim session (laughs) been a common theme throughout this uh conversation your relationship with your swimming Um, (laughs) yeah any swim session that allows me to use the pool buoy maybe (laughs) i do i swim so much faster with with a pool buoy than i do without a pool buoy so it's an it's a nice little crutch on those days where I might be a little tired or something the pool buoy always helps so any swim session that's on my schedule that has a pool buoy or paddles I'm all for it um those are my favorite for sure that's such a triathlete's <laughs> answer but you know we'll I know <laughs> yeah yep um favorite bike session I I love my long rides in the mountains and um any bike session with a bunch of climbing and permission to push the climbs those are my favorites where i can just i do i do most of my riding solo and i think that's been important for me in um growing on the bike and getting stronger on the bike is those solo long sessions out there on my own um so I think those are some of my favorites where it's a five six hour ride and I'm just working hard to get up those climbs and nobody's there with me and you're just alone with your thoughts and the emotions and those are those are definitely my favorite and the the rides that I get the most value out of and then running um I, I like my long ride, uh, my long runs too. So I, I'm a volume person. I like just zoning out and getting into that flow state and just going and um, pushing myself and 
learning more about myself through the process of what the time does. So what two hours does, how I feel at the end of the two hours. Can I go another 15 minutes? Can I go another 30 minutes? I just think that those, those are the sessions that I grow a lot from are those longer sessions that I'm out there solo by myself. Well, it definitely helps if, you know, those, you, your long ride and your long run obviously key to an Ironman preparation for, for most people. So mm-hmm. if they can also be your most enjoyable, then I think you're, you're definitely onto a winning formula. Now you mentioned yeah. your, a lot of midweek bricks, like little bricks. Do you ever do any big Ironman day bricks where you do your long ride into a longer run? Or is it mainly just, you know, those, those shorter ones midweek? Yeah. Um, as we get closer to the race, I do, there are a couple race rehearsal days, um, where I will do a longer run, uh, a brick run on the Friday where I'm doing my long ride. I usually have a five hour, five and a half hour ride with 45 minute to an hour run off the bike. So I will do a couple of those, um, leading a few weeks out from the race, like four weeks out, three weeks out just to start prepping for what it's going to feel like and to make sure that my paces and my fitness is where it needs to be before going into the race, especially when I'm under all that fatigue already. So if I can get through those sessions, that just gives you so much confidence once you're tapered and rested going into the race. And have you, have you got a memory of, you know, your most epic session, whether it's one single session or or a block of sessions, whether it's just, it was really hard or, um, you performed really well. Is there, is there anything that stands out when I ask that question? Most epic session you've ever done? I don't know if it's, I would refer to it as a session, but during the pandemic, during the lockdown in 2020, I wanted, I told my coach that I wanted something kind of epic for me to strive toward since there weren't any races. So I decided that I wanted to do a 200 mile I don't even know what that would be in kilometers <laughs> um 320 kilometers I think yeah that's like, a, that's a yeah. long way yep <laughs> yeah yeah I wanted to do this big epic ride with um just in our mountains all my favorite climbs and so I trained all summer I did a bunch of very long rides, six, seven hour rides to train for that 200 mile day. And my husband on that day, he was my little SAG vehicle and he would go every, um, you know, every hour I would see him up the road, I'd stop refuel. And, um, yeah, that was probably one of my most memorable days on a bike without any kind of race or you know there's no purpose behind it it was just something that I was doing for myself during a time that there was a lot of uncertainty and um you know there it just was a weird time in our world and so I just wanted to do that for me to to have something to celebrate and to have something that would be that would be something I wouldn't do during a regular tri season so I think that's probably one of the the memories I have of a session or a time on the bike that was very important to me and that I celebrated a lot. I still celebrate that to this day. Yeah, as you should. That's um, 
that's a long day in the saddle, let alone mm-hmm. when you're going up and down the climbs too, which I shouldn't be surprised that, that you included the climbs. How, how long did it take you from start to finish? What was the ride time? Yeah, that was the other thing I celebrated because I did it way faster than I thought I was going to. Um, 10 hours and 40 minutes. So that's a that's an Ironman day in itself, yeah. That's yeah. a long time to be riding a bike. That's a cool yeah. one. That's a that's a very good answer. Thank you. Um, so biggest achievement in the sport or as an athlete, if you had to pick one or two things? Oh, goodness. I have found so many. <laughs> I, I just feel like I've grown so much each year doing different races and getting different results. And I keep surprising myself. I think at St. George at the Ironman world championship in St. George, I want to say that that was one of my biggest achievements because I didn't ever think that was possible. Um, I thought it was possible, but then I, it just seemed like such a far away goal that I was giving myself permission to not believe it was possible. Um, so that's definitely one of them. And then actually this last race that I did at Ironman Oregon, um, I've always found Iron the Ironman 70.3 distance to be more challenging just because there's less time that I can, that I have to make up for the swim on the bike and the run. And it's just the higher intensity. I'm more of a diesel. So the 70.3 distance has always been one that has been a little bit more challenging for me. And at Ironman Oregon, I actually won the overall age group completely unexpected, but it was like, I was in shock at the finish line when I found out. And it was a pretty special moment for me because it wasn't even on my radar. Like I never thought that I could win the overall age group at a 70.3. So that was, that was a pretty kind of recent epic experience of mine that I would put up there um, for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. I should have done this the other way around, but I'm going to ask, have you, have you got like a biggest disappointment or a biggest challenge that you sort of face throughout your triathlon journey? Um. Yeah, I mean, I've had a couple of really bad races. Um, I would say the most disappointing race, but also it was a good humbling experience for me was Ironman. The second time I did Ironman Canada, because the first time I had done it, I had won my age group. So I kind of felt like I had to defend that or I had to do better than that. And so it was incredibly disappointing and very humbling to do that race again and to basically walk the marathon and have the worst, that's the worst result I've ever, aside from Kona, that's the worst result I've had at the Ironman distance is um, that particular race. But it was also humbling because I think you can kind of forget (laughs) how difficult the Ironman distance is. And you kind of go in with these expectations of, oh yes, I can do this, 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 but yet you have to respect the sport and the distance. And it just kind of reminded me that you go into every race with 
yes, with confidence, but also with the reality of this is a long day. This is a tough race and anything can happen. And you need to remember that and you need to respect the distance and not go in with an ego and with too much confidence. I mean, I think confidence is good, but going in with just an expectation of, okay, yeah, I got this. Like you still have to respect the distance and the type of race that it is. And the other athletes who are out there working hard as well. Yeah. Well, they say you learn more from the bad days compared to the good days. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. speaking of that, what are, what are some, you know, could you give us a few tips for other age groupers? They could be female or mum specific, or they could be more general that you've learned along the way in your 10 years in the sport. And obviously you've had quite a few different experiences throughout that. Could yeah? Do you have you have you know two, three, five, however many that come to mind when I ask that question that you could give to to the listeners and to other age groupers? Yeah, I think as someone who has a very busy schedule, I think um, one thing that I like to do for me to kind of help me the next day or the next day, like kind of setting your future self up for success, is. Um, being able to plan out your week and doing things the day before or the week before that will help your future self go into the training a little easier. Like, I know it sounds kind of weird, but if I have a swim session tomorrow, for example, and a bike session tonight, I might take five minutes and just put out my swim gear and make sure, you know, on Sundays, because it is my off day or more of a rest day for me, I might make sure that all of my gadgets are charged, that my bike batteries for my, um, for my DI2 is charged. And I just make sure that all of that is done ahead of time. And I make sure I have all my nutrition and all the things that I'm going to need for the week ahead, ready to go. So that when it's time to wake up in the morning and go to the pool, okay, my bag's next to the door. All I have to do is grab it. I don't have to like scurry around and wonder where this is at or that is at. I just, I make sure that I can set myself up so that it's just easy for me when I know I'm going to be stressed going from here to here to here. It just, it takes off some of that stress and some of that load. So I I do try and take time in my day to plan ahead a little bit, planning my bike route so that I'm not looking at my computer before I'm supposed to go out on my bike. And where am I going to go today? I make sure ahead of time, I have that ready to go so that the next day rolls around and I just, I just go out the door and I know exactly what I'm doing, where I'm stopping to refuel all the things. And it just makes my life a little bit easier to plan ahead and to set my future self up for success in that way. So that would be one of my tips for the the busy triathlete who has a family and who has all these things going on, just ma- making, managing time and being efficient with time and doing it in a way that works best for you and for your family. And I guess another tip would be that has been important to me is using training sessions and training in general as an opportunity to learn. And that's my training sessions are when I practice different 
nutritional strategies or different types of nutrition, or I might play around with different equipment or different paces and power. Like, can I push the power a little bit during this training session on my long rides um, on Fridays? Like I might start out a little harder to see like, at what point do I fade? So I can just learn about myself and practice in training so that on race come race day, I've set myself up for the most successful race that I can and learning, okay, this works, this doesn't, you don't want to push the power too much in, in, on this climb early on, because I do try to train how I'm going to race and I try and train on terrain. Um, like, I like, like, for Canada, I did a lot of training in the mountains on a course that would be similar to that Canada course. So I kind of learn in my training um, what's going to be the most effective. So don't be afraid to like experiment and test things out in training because it's, it really does provide the, the best opportunity to learn what's going to work and what's not going to work during a race because you don't want to test things on race day. You want to do that in the training. And it kind of makes training more fun that way too because then it's kind of like one big experiment in a way <laughs> so are that so your two you're planning and trying to make it easy for yourself and then also just using your training not only to get fitter stronger faster but also to practice and to learn things what what works and what doesn't work yeah yeah i think that those would be my biggest tips um another important one for me is having a coach i think i think having a coach is so important and not even like having a coach, but not being afraid to, I've had three coaches now and not being afraid to switch coaches or try different coaching styles. Um, I have loved all three of my coaches and they all bring something different to the table and I've learned something different from all of them. So I think that coaches have been just a valuable asset to my growth in the sport and to my journey in the sport. And I wouldn't be where I'm at without the coaches that I've had in the sport. And I think having a coach is so important. Well, I thank you. I think those are three very good tips that a lot of people can, uh, would do well to take on board and um, mold to suit their lifestyle and circumstances. So at this point, I'm going to say thank you. I went on the search for the fastest mum in age group triathlon. And whilst we probably can't quite make that claim, as we joked of, joked about before we hit record, um, I reckon we got pretty close. And uh, yeah, definitely lots in your journey that a lot of people can take away from it. So I really enjoyed this conversation. I appreciate you sharing. All the best with your prep and the race in California. We'll definitely be watching. And of course, happy birthday to Axel for tomorrow, eight years old. <laughs> Thank you. I will let him know for sure. He'll be excited to hear that. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again. Appreciate you coming on and appreciate your time. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. No worries at all. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Diary of an Age Grouper podcast. If you have any questions, feedback, or ideas for future guests, please contact us via the Diary of an Age Group at Instagram page. Alternatively, you can email info at jetcoaching.com.au. 
Don't forget to like, comment, share and subscribe. This podcast was born to discuss all things age group triathlon. As an athlete, coach and fan of the sport, I've always been intrigued with different approaches to training and how to optimize an individual's performance. We will speak to athletes who perform at a high level, as well as those with an interesting story. We will speak to coaches with a vast array of experience and also experts in various fields. We want to sift through what the physiology labs tell us, as well as what we see the pros doing and take the lessons that apply to us. This is the Diary of an Age Grouper.